Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. It's good to see you guys. It's good to see you too, Pastor Mark. So. I'd rather be seen than viewed. Amen. So, um, well, bless the Lord. I'm excited to be here this morning. A little, little, little tired, but you know, we got the win. So you do what it takes to get the win. Yeah. Our defense gave up way too many points and way too many yards, but the offense turned up. We got that. We dropped that 50 spot on them. So it was good. So I'm excited. Um, keep praying for our guys. Again, I, I, one of the things that you don't see with the players and why I have the privilege is that they're trusting in the word. They're trusting in the word that's being preached. They're trusting in the prayers that are being prayed. And so when I pray for them, I'm letting them know God's not answering my prayers just because I'm special and he loves me. He's answering my prayers for you because he loves you and you're special. And just to continue to, to, to build them up so that what they're giving you is not just a great football experience, but a life that will help transform a generation on campus. Amen. So um, it, it's good be praying for Hank and Curtis this week so that they can get healed up and go down to BYU and beat up on them next week too, right? All right. Bless the Lord. Well, uh, I'm excited to be here. I, I shared this message a couple weeks ago at, at CYA, and um, it, it's not a message that um, I'm trying to preach to you or a question that I'm trying to ask you as much as it is a question that I continually ask myself. And before I get started with the title of the message, let me, let me kind of qualify just a little bit. The, the, the Bible indicates, and we know, that the creator of a thing is the one who determines the capacity of a thing. Is that right? So if the creator says that you can handle it, then it can be handled. If the creator says that you can do it, then it can be done. If the creator says that you can walk in this or walk in that, then you can walk in this or you can walk in that because it's the creator of a thing who determines what the capacity of the thing is. And one of my favorite uh, people in the Bible, as Tracy would say, Pastor Paul, the Apostle Paul. So in case you think this message might not apply to you or the question is not pertinent because you're just a seasoned saint, which is, is great, Paul said, not that I've already attained this. But I keep pressing on to grab hold of that for which Christ Jesus grabbed hold of me. And I'm thinking, Paul, you did it. You, you, like, you did the deal. And he's just like, no, not there yet. I keep pressing on. I keep pressing on. And so I want to encourage you, keep pressing on. And so we'll get to the topic in, in just a few minutes. But I do want to talk about sports just real quick because October is the greatest sports month of, of the year. Okay, it's the greatest sports month of the year. I know the Olympics are coming when they come. But in October, if you like football, you can watch football. We hot and heavy in it. If you like basketball, yep. If you like Zion Williamson, he's playing right now and everybody else is playing. So you can watch football. You can watch basketball. October is the greatest month for baseball. I don't even watch it in like July. And, you know, unless you're a Dodger fan, then it might not be a good month for you right now. But normally it is, right? Danny's like, come on, man. So... <laughs> You can watch baseball and it's exciting. You can watch hockey. You can watch soccer. You can watch boxing. You can watch MMA. So this is, this is the greatest month in, of sports all year long. And so I'm excited. And the reason why I bring that up, because how many of you watch ESPN? Some of you, some a little bit more than, than last service. So, so when you go to ESPN, you know that you're getting something sports related. Is that correct? 
So I'm going to watch a baseball game or sports news or something like that. I never have to worry about turning on ESPN and, and seeing The Young and the Restless. I never have to worry about turning on ESPN and watching Stranger Things or This Is Us or anything like that. When I turn to 206 on DirecTV, I'm going to get something that's related to sports. So they're never not broadcasting something that's not sports related so that you can count on them to be who they said they are and do what they said that they would do. If you uh, like Christian music and you know you got a couple options here if you don't have Sirius, so Air One, how many of you listen to Air One? Okay, or KTSY, you never have to worry about turning to Air One and, and hearing the Metallica song. Is that, is that true? I mean, there's Metallica stations, but Air One is not one of them. You never have to worry about turning to KTSY and hearing an ACDC song or whatever it happens to be, Kanye, Snoop Dogg. You're going to get Christian music on Air One. You're going to get Christian music on KTSY. How many of you like country music? Okay, so you'll never hear a hip-hop song on a country radio station. They're like Old Town Road. That's just like a hip-hop song with country music. It's not a country song, but anyway, <laughs> the youngster is going to tell you what now. <laughs> Strike that from the record of your minds. They're consistent. They don't play R&B. They don't play jazz. They play country music. And my question to you, and the title of the message is, what are you broadcasting? What are you broadcasting? I'm asking you the question, I'm asking myself the question, but what are you broadcasting? The dictionary defines broadcasting as the act of transmitting something, whether speech, whether music or visual images, what are you broadcasting? And I think it's a question that we need to continually ask ourselves. I don't care how long you've been living for the Lord and loving the Lord, we continually. Paul said, not that I've already attained this, but I keep pressing on. It, 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 most of us, if we're in jail and it's like, man, I'm going to die and I'm in jail and I was preaching the gospel, I'd be like, I'm worried about me right now. But Paul did not worry about himself. He's still worried about fulfilling the mission of God on his life, which was building up and ministering to the church. What are you broadcasting? Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father God, again, we thank you that you're an awesome God and a faithful God. And Lord, again, we're grateful for this, another day that you've given us, Heavenly Father, another opportunity to sing your praise and to declare your goodness and your greatness, Heavenly Father, to acknowledge your presence in our lives, Heavenly Father, and share the good news of the gospel that Jesus saves, Heavenly Father. And we thank you for this opportunity this morning, Lord, that you've given us to worship you in spirit and in truth, Heavenly Father. We thank you that you're in this place, mighty to save and mighty to heal and mighty to deliver and mighty to restore, God. And so we honor you and we bless you, Heavenly Father. And I pray, God, that as the word is shared today, Lord, help me get out of the way so that the people can see you, that they can hear you, that they can receive from you, Heavenly Father. And I pray that lives would be changed for a lifetime because of this encounter with you this morning, Heavenly Father. So give us ears to hear, a mind to understand, a heart to receive, and a faith and a boldness to walk out what it is you desire for us to walk out in this place today. In Jesus' name, and we love you and we praise you. And all God's people say Amen. Amen. What are you broadcasting? So I saw, I saw a guy, he had a shirt on and, and the shirt said, I'm a Christian. Now, I had a little bit of history with this particular person and I'm watching this person wear the shirt around saying, I'm a Christian. I'm like, you are not a Christian. Now, before you're like, pastor, you shouldn't be judging people. The, the fruit of your life will tell on you. I don't need to judge you. You see what I'm saying? But from the observation, from what I know, I'm thinking, you, you are not a Christian. 
And the problem is not just that you're deceived. The problem is that you're giving other people the idea that it's okay to be a Christian and live this particular type of lifestyle that didn't resemble following Christ at all. And so I'm thinking, don't wear that shirt. But again, I wasn't just so concerned about him. I'm thinking, who do you have influence with? Who's watching you thinking that, okay, this is good Christian behavior, and it's not good Christian behavior. Now we're giving the gospel of Jesus Christ a bad name. What are you broadcasting? And I've learned something that I tell myself. I learned this from an 11-year-old back when we used to do this inspiration thing. I don't know, a little talent show, whatever. It was, he was 11 years old. Is that what it was? Like, it's just share the gifts of God on your life, right? And so I like to, you know, if you know me long enough, I'll ask you what your favorite scripture is because I can, rememberize your, I can mem- remember your scripture almost more than I can remember your name. Your name doesn't tell me much, but if you tell me, you know, I love this particular scripture, I have a better idea of who you are. Plus, I'll give you candy if you do that. But so I asked him who, who you know, I was like, so introduce us. He says, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian cleverly disguised as an 11-year-old. I was like, that is brilliant. I'm stealing that. And, and, and I've held on to that for it's 20 years, 21 years. So tell me about yourself. I'm a Christian cleverly disguised as a pastor. I'm a Christian cleverly disguised as a husband. I'm a Christian cleverly disguised as a father. I'm a Christian cleverly disguised as a servant. The beautiful thing with that is if that's your identity, you'll never get lost. I deal with players who thought they were going to the NFL and they're not going to the NFL and they got identity crisis going on right now. But I'm like, look, you're a Christian cleverly disguised as a Boise State football player. So when this one thing ends, you're still holding on to the one thing that remains. I'm a Christian cleverly disguised as. Because if you understand that and if you live that and if you breathe that, then you will broadcast that. Does that make sense? What are you broadcasting? So here's a question. Does the fruit of your life, your actions, your speech, does the fruit of your life confirm or contradict what you say you believe? Does the fruit of your life, your actions, your speech, your attitude, does it confirm or contradict what you say you believe? I'm not asking you what I think you believe, what you say you believe. If I say I'm a Christ follower, then the fruit of my life should validate that. Is that a pretty safe assessment? If I say I'm a Christ follower, the fruit of my life should bear evidence to that reality. My wife doesn't know that I love her just because I tell her, and I tell her. She knows that I love her because I show her. The fruit of my actions validate the words that are coming out of my mouth. My children don't know that I love them just because I tell them that I love them because some of the things that I say, they'd be like, you don't love me, right, Micaiah? So she's like, no, she knows. It's validated by my actions. I've counseled couples and, and, and oh, but I love him, I love him, and, and then you're abusive to him. I don't need that type of love. That's not love. The fruit of your actions is not validating the words coming out of your mouth. If you tell me you love me and you beat me, I'm I'm confused. What are you broadcasting? In Ephesians chapter 5, and I love this, we're going to read a a little bit of scripture, but out of the uh, ESV, it, it says this, it says, therefore be imitators of Christ. If I'm a Christ follower, I'm supposed to be an imitator of Christ. I had a conversation with a young man after the service. He's like, but it's hard, it's hard. And I told him, the creator of the thing is the one who orders the, the, the capacity of a thing. 
So if God says that you can be an imitator of Christ, then he's deposited in you everything that you need for you to be an imitator of Christ. Does that make sense? I should have got a better amen right there, but that's all right. The creator of a thing is the one who determines the capacity of a thing. If God says you can handle it, it can be handled. If God says you can do it, it can be done. If God says that you can broadcast, you can bear evidence on the earth of my goodness, of my grace, of my mercy, of my strength, then you can do it. The question you have to ask yourself is what are you broadcasting? Out of the Message Bible, it reads this way. It says, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly, I love this, mostly what God does is love you. It's hard to be a Christian. It's hard to follow all these rules. Mostly what God does is love you. If we could just grab a hold of that and walk that out, mostly what we should do as followers of Christ is love unconditionally. Rules and regulations, all of those particular things, those don't lead us to the place where God would lead us to, want us to be as much as love. These three things remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Mostly what God does is love you. It says, keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. Is your love cautious or is it extravagant? says, he didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. says, don't allow love to turn into lust, setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity, filthy practices, or bullying greed. Though some tongues just love the taste of gossip, those who follow Jesus have better uses for language than that. Don't talk dirty. Don't talk silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving for the Christ follower is our dialogue. Don't let yourselves be taken in by religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales talk but want nothing to do with him. Don't even hang around people like that. You can be sure that using people or religion or things just for what you can get out of them, the usual variations of, on idolatry will get you nowhere and certainly nowhere near the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. You groped your way through the murk once but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain, so no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham that they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things that they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off of these frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. What are you broadcasting? Verse 1 and 2 again says, watch what God does and then do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Let's live like that. Question I have for you is this. If without the luxury of words, if without the luxury of words, you couldn't say anything, you had to communicate solely through your actions or just your presence in a place, what message would your life convey? If without the luxury of words, I can't tell you I love you. 
I can't tell you how good God is or how good God has been to me. I can't tell you that his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. I can tell you all these things. But if you didn't have the luxury of words, what story would your life tell? Pastor Mark, that's not even possible. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. So it implies that I can live a life that is pleasing to God that will draw other people into the presence of God. Matthew 5 says, let your light so shine so that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. If without the luxury of words, just your presence, what message would your life convey? My best friend, Jay Kirsten's brother, um, we, we did a lot of worship together and didn't really do it in a, in, a, in a setting here, some of these songs, but he wrote a song and the song says, let my life worship you more than my lips. This is my prayer. This is my prayer. One of my favorite songs, my pursuit, Lord, let my life worship you more than my lips. And my lips sometimes have some really, really, really good things to say about God and the goodness of God, but I want my life to bear evidence more than the words that are coming out of my mouth. What are you broadcasting? What you're broadcasting is important because the way that you live your life since you made a decision to be a follower of Christ is ultimately what you're broadcasting about who Jesus is and what he's capable of doing in the lives of those who trust him. What you do in your life, the way that you live your life since you made a decision to follow Christ. Now, if you're in here this morning, he said, I've never given my life to Christ. This message is not for you yet in that sense, but the way that you live your life since you made a decision to follow Christ other people are watching. And that story, what that story does is it tells them what God is capable of doing. See, I can sing the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I'm free. But when I live it, it has more impact. It has more power. I once was lost, and I lived like it. And you knew it. But now I'm found, and I live like it. And you know it. What are you broadcasting? The Bible in Psalm 34, 8, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. People are not going to be able to taste and see that the Lord is good unless they taste and see it from your life. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you expect him to experience the goodness of God without experiencing the goodness of God manifest in and through your life? What are you broadcasting? So in my opinion, this is just me, I think that the world, the problem that the world has with the church or with Christians is that when they look at what the Bible says the church or Christians should be, and then they encounter the church or Christians, they get two different pictures. I think that's the narrative. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about broadcasting that God is good and living it out. I'm talking about loving unconditionally, so because that's the way that Jesus loved us. There's a, there's a story, uh, pastor's name, it's Bishop Kenneth Omer, and he tells a story. I think that it kind of it gives a good picture, but he's, you know, he's a preacher and got a big church and um, travels and preaches. And he says, I went to this one church to go preach. It was out of town. And so I flew in. And usually when I go, there's somebody there that comes to pick me up. There's a sign. They're like, you know, Bishop Omer, whatever it happens to be. So he says he gets to the airport and he gets, you know, comes off the airplane and gets to the space where he's going to get his luggage. And there's nobody there with a sign. So he's like, well, you know, I can go get my luggage. So he 
goes to the luggage thing and he picks up his luggage and he's still looking around and he can't see anybody with a sign or anybody waiting for him. And he says, so over the course of the next 20, 25 minutes, there's people who are leaving. You know, they've all gotten their bags and what was full now is becoming really empty. And he's standing over here with his bags and he notices a guy standing over there towards the door. And so he's like, well, I'm just going to go walk over. He's like, hey, are you with such and such church? He's like, yeah, are you Bishop Omer? He's like, yeah. The guy's like, hey, I've been looking for you. I've been waiting for you. And Bishop Omer's like, I've been waiting for you. I've been right here. And he's like, well, the problem is the picture that they gave me of you, you don't look like that. African-American guy. I had an afro back in the day. I think he cut his hair and was wearing glasses. But he says, I was waiting and looking and anticipating a guy that looked like this, and I came to pick him up, and I couldn't find that guy. When people come into the church, they're waiting and anticipating, encountering the manifest presence of God. What are we broadcasting? When you say you're a Christian, when you say you're a Christ follower, when you say you're a believer, that shouldn't just be words, but your life should validate the words that are coming out of your mouth. Does that make sense? What are you broadcasting? I'm not a big Gandhi fan. I, I love quotes, and I share the quotes, and I try to turn the Bible on them. But I was one of the quotes, somebody was having a conversation with Gandhi, asking him what he thought about Christ and what he thought about Christianity and things like that. And he says, no, 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 I, I, I like your Christ. This is what Gandhi said. I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians because your Christians are nothing like your Christ. I don't want that to be the testimony of my life. No, I like Jesus. I just don't really like you. <laughs> because you're nothing like the Jesus that you say you are following. What are you broadcasting? In 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 6, and I love Paul. Paul says this. For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true, and you know of our concern of you, and that how we lived among you was further proof of the truth of our message. For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. When we're bringing the message of the good news, when we're bringing the gospel, is it just with words or is it with power? The Bible says the word of God is living and active. That's what it says. It's not dead and old. The, the, the word of God is living and active. Christ in me, the hope of glory. What are you broadcasting? It's not enough for me to tell people I love them. I have to show them. Or they don't believe me. And from that passage, what I love, the good news, it came with power. With power. It had a powerful effect on the, uh, the, the people in Thessalonica. And whatever the Bible has heard and obeyed, lives are changed. Whenever the Bible is heard and obeyed, lives are changed. Whenever the Bible is heard and obeyed, lives are changed. Trust and obey. There is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Wherever the Bible is heard and believed and obeyed, lives are changed. Christianity is really more than a bunch of interesting facts. It's the power of God to everybody who believes. 
We can't dummy it down to being a bunch of words and something that we do on a Sunday. It needs to be lived out. What are you broadcasting? Here, here's another question I have for you. What has the power of God done in your life since you believed? Have you quit telling that story? Have you quit living that story? What I love about new believers and, and new converts is, man, they're so excited about the gospel because they can see the change and they're mindful. They're right there in the moment. But the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that excitement that I had when I first gave my life to Christ and what God did, he does it in the middle of your life. He does it at the beginning of your life. He does it at the end of your life. He does it all throughout your life. But we quit telling that story. Why? I don't know. But if you quit telling the story of the good news, then what are you broadcasting? I love you guys. This is not supposed to be hard. I'm talking to myself. You're flies on the wall, and you get to hear this conversation that I've been having with me for a long time. Are you broadcasting the goodness of God, not just with your lips, but with your generosity? Not just with the generosity of your money, but the generosity of your heart, the generosity of your life, the generosity of your gifts and your talents. What are you broadcasting? It's a quote by Charles Spurgeon that wrecked me. He says, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. What are you broadcasting? I don't want to be an imposter. This is what I love. People are going to be able to see that the message that you are sharing are true, not just because you're talking about it, but because you're living it out. People will be able to see that the message you are sharing is true, not just because you're talking about it, but because you're living it out. And that's what you're truly broadcasting. If I start telling you, if I start quoting scripture, you'd be like, you know, the Bible says, just cast all your cares on the Lord because he, he cares for you and he'll take care of you. But you don't see me casting my cares on the Lord and I'm nervous and anxious and worried all the time. What am I really saying about the power of God? Because that's what you're broadcasting, not just the words coming out of your mouth, but the way that you live your life. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus uh, concerning you. But if you're grumbling and complaining and sniveling all the time, but no, I love the Lord. What are you really broadcasting? If you say God will do it, he'll come through. The Bible says, exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask and all that we can think, that God will do. But you don't leave space in your life for God to do those things. What is it that you're really broadcasting? It's an important question for us to answer. Colossians 4, 5, and 6, it says this, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation, your lifestyle be full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Sometimes your answer to a thing or your response to a thing is not expressed just with the words that you say. Now, my, my niece is here from, from Atlanta, uh, the, my baby niece. Her name is Mia. You guys take her out to lunch this afternoon. So, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. I'll take you out to lunch, girl. <laughs> but my, my oldest sister passed away, and this is her youngest daughter, and so she kind of grew up more with grandma and grandpa and things like that. But my, my mom had this, uh, my mom would look at you a certain way, and you knew you needed to get with the program, right? 
but vice versa. If you responded to my mom one way or my dad one way, but you threw them sideways eyes or something like that, what came out of your mouth wasn't important, wasn't as important as the attitude that you expressed or the way that you looked. I'm like, I wish you would roll your eyes at me. <laughs> that spoke more than, yeah, I'll do it. My children, no, don't, don't look at me funny. Don't look at me sideways. <laughs> there is no blessing coming from all of that. Anyway, McKay is like, right? Let your conversation, your lifestyle be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Does the fruit of your life or is the fruit of your life seasoned with salt and full of grace when you're dealing with non-believers? When you're dealing with believers in your workplace, on your campus, in the supermarket. Now, you guys know me. I, I like worshiping, not singing. Okay, I like worshiping. The Bible says that the spirit of the Lord inhabits the praise of his people. So wherever I go, I have a smile on my face. I'm trying to make people smile. I'm in the supermarket and just minding my business, got music, like, oh, your smile, da, 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 da. And I either get the chance to tell them about Jesus or just to be like, man, I'm glad that you recognize that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Because everybody else is doing enough frowning. I don't need to be doing no frowning. Watch this. What, what are you broadcasting? When, you, when you're driving down the street and somebody cuts you off, you know, some of you take the time. You make a concentrated effort to throw daggers at the person when you actually pass them. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't do that. Not because I've already attained this. <laughs> I keep pressing on. But, but this is what I do. I, my license plate says living for him. Okay. I put that on my license plate so I could hold myself accountable. Because you can't have living for him on your license plate and be driving 85 miles an hour down the freeway because they're going to be like, oh, look, it's one of them Christians again. They don't. What are you broadcasting? Some of you are like, no, we just obey the speed limit. We don't need a license plate to keep us straight. Okay, I'm still, God's still working on me. But when I drive by somebody, I don't even want to give them the time or the recognition or the acknowledgement because if I look at them, it's not really going to be with a smile like, oh, God bless you. I know you're in a hurry and you needed to just drive crazy. So, no. So I need to just keep going and keep my eyes focused and listen to my music because once I pass them, they're going to see a license plate that says living for him. They'll remember the dagger stare and then the license plate. And then they'll put the two together and be like, yeah, see, Christians are no different. What are you broadcasting? If I go to Taco Bell, if I go to Taco Bell, don't go to Taco Bell, but if I, if I go to Taco Bell, <laughs> that's funny. I preached this at CYA and Bella and Alexis and McKay were like, can we go to Taco Bell? I was like, I've created monsters. I was like, no. Then I think McKay smiled at me and so I, we went to Taco Bell anyway. <laughs> but, but when you go to Taco Bell and you get to the little speaker thing, and you order taco or enchilada or burrito, whatever it happens to be, you've set your heart, you've set your affections on some type of Taco Bell product, correct? If you get to the window to get your food and they give you a burger and fries, you got issues. No, come on, don't you? You got a problem with that. I didn't, if I wanted burger and fries, I'd have went to Burger King or McDonald's. They're open too. I came to Taco Bell because I wanted a taco. You advertise tacos. That's what I want. 
when people come to church and we're advertising the manifest presence of the living God, if they come into the house and they don't encounter the manifest presence of the living God, we have to ask ourselves, what are we broadcasting? If you say you're a Christian and you're the only Christian, the only Christ follower that people know, and when they come in their time of need and they come to encounter you, are they encountering the manifest presence of God through you? Oh, I don't really have time for you right now. I'm busy. I'm da-da-da. I'm, I'm not picking on you guys. I love you. I'm, not, I'm really not. I, I'm a, one of these days, and I shouldn't say it because then I'm kind of held to it. Um, but but I, 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 a title, The Doubting Disciple or Unbelieving Believer. I believe that we have too many doubting disciples or too many unbelieving believers in the house. Pastor Shane a couple of weeks ago was preaching and he was talking about how Peter was at the wrong fire. When the little girl can't pull up on him, he was at the wrong fire. He was at the place. And I think too often we've got doubting disciples. Yeah, I believe in God, but I don't believe enough to actually be close to the action, to be in the middle of what God is doing. You found Peter was way back here when Jesus was up there, him and the rest of the disciples. Some of the disciples wasn't even in the area, but they were close enough to hear what was going on. And we're like, oh, I listen to the podcast and, you know, I watch the Instagram and the Facebook, but you know, I'm not really going to get involved in a small group or get plugged in. And that's a doubting disciple, an unbelieving believer. You're like, why are you picking on me? I'm not picking on you because I'm asking the question, what are you broadcasting? If I say this is my church and I love my church and I'm serving and I'm plugged in and you don't show up? <laughs> I just got licensed from the boss, right? <laughs> what are you broadcasting? Got a song that I want to play for you. Uh, uh, it's the most convicting song. It's a rap song. If you don't like rap music, um, I kind of apologize, but uh, I, I do want to know the, the, the greatest, just to remind you, because before rap music was rap music, you liked rap music. The greatest lyricist rapper in the history of the world is Dr. Seuss. You, you think about it. Take it back. Dr. Seuss could rap. He could rhyme. When I was a little kid, if you guys remember Horton is a Who, I don't know about the new thing, but on Horton is a Who, something that I picked up before I was a Christ following believer, Horton said this. He says, I meant what I said, and I said what I meant, an elephant faithful 100%. And so I grabbed a hold of that as a little kid. I'm like, I meant what I said. I said what I meant. Mark Thornton is faithful 100%. Now, before you all, I was not saved when I was saying that, but it was still, <laughs> oh, you've been, you've been good all your little life. No, that is not my testimony. <laughs> but I held on to that commitment of faith, and it has helped me in my pursuit of following Jesus because I learned how to be faithful because of that. But the name of the song is called Who Am I? And it asks some questions. I want you to listen to the lyrics, and we'll put some of them on the screen afterwards. Um, but, yeah, just lend this. Go ahead, Canaan. Since it's a sad commentary when I'm buried under the public to see, but I pray that they remember me for walking in integrity, being what God called me to be. And if I leave an impression, man, I hope that I bless them, impress them with a life that was clean and free. And I pray that it's not embarrassing when they do read my narrative once I finally leave. Who am I? Am I more like Cain, full of hatred to my brother the slain? Who am I? Am I more like Jezebel, sexual and on my ways? Think about it. Who am I? Am I more like Mary, pure and holy till I lay in the grave? 
Who am I? Am I more like Abel? Able to please God in my ways. It goes on and says, if the Bible was rewritten and the writers put me in it, who would they say that I resemble the most? Would it be Joseph or Samson? Both of them handsome, but only one of them was a symbol of hope. Who am I? I know the Bible can't be rewritten and read in that fashion, but your life, the story of your life is a Bible for your children, for your children's children, for the generation coming up under you, for those that don't know Jesus in the pardon of their sins. If the Bible was rewritten and the writers put you in it, what would your life broadcast? Think about it. So you have the scripture, Ephesians 5, chapter 1 through 17, and just a few things from that scripture, some points to to give you. Based on these scriptures, and I have you write these down if you're taking notes. Based on these scriptures, our lives should be broadcasting, loving others sacrificially. Based on these scriptures, what our lives should be broadcasting is loving others sacrificially, verses 1 and 2. Remember, mostly what God does is he loves us. Let's do that. My definition of love, it's not mine, but I use it, is that love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. That's how Jesus loves us. Are we loving others like that? You don't go to my church? I don't care. I love you anyway. You don't know Jesus? I don't care. I love you anyway. There's nobody that God didn't love. Judas had an opportunity to repent. God loved him all the way to the grave. Who am I to withhold the unconditional love of God from those people that I don't agree with? Because you might win them over by loving on them. Love like that. Number two, we should be loathing of sinful behavior. We should be loathing of sinful behavior. You can check verses three and seven, but I believe this, that as Christ followers, we should always make sure and check that we're not being comfortable with sinful behavior. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So again, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not picking on you. I'm saying, but once you get comfortable with it, that should concern you. No, I love the Lord and I love his word and I want to do everything that it says, but you're comfortable living contrary to the word of God. Now, I deal with football players and coaches and it's funny because I'll pray a prayer and then everybody kind of starts cussing. Our guys, they pray a lot. I don't want you to think that, oh, it's all they do. It's all football players, but it's in that thing. And, and for me, I'm different because I'm thinking, well, I don't really mind you cussing if you don't mind me praying in tongues. So I, I balance it. I kind of balance it out. Yeah, you're going around cussing. I'm going around praying in tongues. What's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with you? So, but I understand this. Cussing does not move the meter one bit. If you've got to cuss me out to motivate me to do something, I was really not in it. It was just not in me. But prayer, worship, praise, that'll move your meter. That'll start filling up your tank. If you cuss, I'm not picking on you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm just asking you, what are you broadcasting? Are you more comfortable with foul language or are you more comfortable with praise? It's getting thick in here. Why are you messing with us? I love you. What are you broadcasting? So number one, loving others sacrificially is something that our lives should be broadcasting. Number two, loathing of sinful behavior is something that we should be broadcasting. Number three, light and goodness. Verses 8 through 14. The Bible says you were saved from the darkness to be light bearers. 
So bear light. Remember, the creator of a thing is the one who determines the capacity of a thing. And when you got saved, the Bible says you became a new creation and deposited into you was the Holy Spirit. And there is fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit. Oh, I just, I lost control. Well, you have self-control available to you. Use it. Well, the circumstances, I just can't be peaceful. You have peace available to you. Use it. Because if you're a Christian and Christ lives in you and you're not walking in peace and the other people see you and they see you not walking in peace, they think that God is not able. I don't want to be that guy that makes them think that. Number four, we should be walking in wisdom or we should be broadcasting wisdom, verses 15 through 17. And I believe that wisdom is simply applying what the Bible has revealed to you through the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be a rocket science or have a PhD to walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Don't just have wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Because a lot of people with wisdom don't always use it. Solomon, who is said to be the most wisest man that ever roamed the earth, he, he didn't have a lot of wisdom because he didn't know that you can't have more than one wife living in the same house. Now, you shouldn't have more than one wife, period. But to have more than one in the same house... Bro. It's not enough to have wisdom. You have to walk in wisdom. Amen? Pastor Ken always says, the truth shall, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And then I love it. He says, it's not just the truth, but the truth that you know. Because there are some truths out there that we don't know and they are not being applied to our life. But with what you know to do, the Bible says do that. And the last one is thankfulness, verses 18 through 21. We should be broadcasting thankfulness. And I believe this, that ingratitude is a characteristic of those who are in rebellion to the heart of God. Ingratitude is a characteristic of those in rebellion to the heart of God. You can't hardly consider the goodness of God and not be thankful. You can't. Ye yesterday or Friday, we've been doing worship with the, with the, with the players because they've opened up. So chapel used to be like 15 minutes, and then it went to 20 minutes. And this year, they're like, Mark, with 30 minutes. I was like, 30 minutes? I'm like, good Lord, what are we going to do for 30 minutes? So, I mean, because I could keep talking. I knew what we were going to do. Maybe that didn't sound right. So I knew what we were going to do, but I'm thinking, man, let's worship the Lord because I don't want you focused on me as much as I want you focused on the presence of God. So if we create an atmosphere of worship, and this is what I love about the guys. Some of the guys are in there, aren't saved. Some of the guys don't know the song. Some of them aren't worshipers, but they spend the time and they just wait. But anyway, one of the guys, a uh, long snapper, linebacker kid, he's like, Mark, can we sing Blessed Be the Name of the Lord? And, and I'm kind of like, I just want to sing songs that praise the Lord, you know what I'm saying? Honor the Lord for who he is, not necessarily what he's done. And, and the part of Blessed Be the Name of the Lord is like, you give and take away, you give and take. I'm like, I don't want to, I'm like, we're going to lose the game or something like that. I'm like, I'm not, we're <laughs> not superstitious, right? But the player was like, hey, can we sing this song? He's like, I got you, I got you. So it's taken about three weeks. So we did the song yesterday, and we're doing the song. And, and the players have gone through. We've had a couple of players who've lost their, a couple of moms have passed away. Uh, moms have been diagnosed with cancer. I mean, pray, pray for these kids, young men, because it's a stressful time in life. And then they have these situations that they don't really know how to handle. And so they're looking to me. I'm telling you, God's got you. God will make a way. So anyway, he wants to sing that song, and I'm singing it, and we sing it, and we worship, and it was great. Then Hank got hurt. Then Curtis got hurt. I'm thinking, I knew I should. Shouldn't have sung that song. 
But anyway, I reminded them of the goodness of God. The Bible says from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And I was like, your mom has been diagnosed. Your mom has passed away. We're not uh, um, released from the issues of life. We just go through the issues a little bit different. Because he says, if I'll never leave you nor forsake you, just go in the Bible and look at Goshen and then Egypt. I don't, I don't have time, but go look and see what God did. Thankfulness. We should be thankful. Amen. So this week, I want to encourage you. Be mindful of what it is that you're broadcasting. Be mindful, not just of the words that are flowing out of your mouth, but by the countenance of your spirit that people are seeing. Because people aren't listening to you as much as they are watching you. Does that make sense? What are you broadcasting? We're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to pray. And, and I want to offer this opportunity for you, if, if it's necessary, to ask God to forgive you for not broadcasting what he's called us to broadcast. Again, Paul said, not that I've already attained this, but I keep pressing on to grab hold of that for which Christ Jesus grabbed hold of me. So I'm, I'm not picking, you're like, I don't, you know, I'm brought, everything I'm broadcasting is fine. That's awesome. That's amazing. But never stop being mindful of it. And maybe some of you are in here and you're like, you know, I'm really just not broadcasting. I'm not being a great representative of the grace of God or the love of God or the kingdom of God. The Bible says repentance is a gift. And this morning, we want to offer you that gift so God can do what he wants to do in you and through you and that he would be glorified and that you would be blessed and that his will would be accomplished. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, we want to...